Welcome to the Founder Insights Podcast by Animoca Brands. I'm your host, Rich Robinson, serial entrepreneur and entrepreneur in residence here at Animoca Brands, where I work with our hundreds and hundreds of portfolio companies to cheerlead, cajole, and counsel them on their Web3 journeys. And today I'm speaking with Simone Berry of People of Crypto, a company she co-founded along with Akbar Hamid. Simone previously had a two-decade career in fashion and streetwear, and she was named a Vogue 100 innovator. People of Crypto is a creative and innovation lab focused on increasing participation and diversity and inclusion in Web3, an important topic. Let's dig in and LFG. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, excellent to see you, Simone. Tell us, uh, tell us about what you're working on right now with People of Crypto. So right now we're working on co-authoring a BC research paper. Really excited about it. It kind of look at the current state in Web3 and recommendations to ensure that we don't make the same mistakes that we did in Web2 and that we're driving diversity and equity at the foundational level of development. So it's interesting because we're going to create the first token-gated survey. So anyone that's participating it actually has to be an active user or member of larger communities. We're not blocking it to certain communities, but I love the idea of it because I think it's going to give us a great kind of foundational stat. We all talk there needs to be more diversity. There needs to be more diversity, but we also need to think about like digital identity, metaverse, how people want to show up. And I think this study will really give us more statistical facts so that we're not just kind of basing things on hearsay and I like facts, so that works for me. Then we have three major cultural moments coming up. So we have Black History Month, Women's History Month, 50th anniversary of hip hop, which is going to be huge. Ooh, wow. So we're really excited friends and bring like new Web3 experiences to life, especially with our 3D avatar program our project that we're building with DNA Block, another animal Cabrian. Ah, geez. And here we're really trying to onboard and expand the conversation to the most influential demographic, which is women, specifically Black women into Web3. And I think what we're trying to do is move beyond, like I keep saying, we need to meet people where they are and where women are is social media and mobile. So how do we utilize technology to build within like a social content or build educational places? We were looking at like doing dynamic NFTs, like plugging into the API of like Twitter so people can go through gamification through social and be able to earn and understand. I think that we need to break a lot of the aesthetic biases that we're building and with the 3D program really being more reflective of the communities, we'll be speaking a different language and really have more opportunity to onboard women. And last, I'm just really excited to be building in a bear market. I know that everybody, oh, but for us, I just feel like when the smoke clears and when everything starts moving, those that are building right now and that move past like the monetization moments and the marketing moments 
are really building for sustainable growth and that we're here and we're going to last because what we've done is added value. So these yeah. that's what I'm excited, not working on it, kind of working on it, but those are kind of the three things. Wow, fantastic. So BCG, uh, Boston uh, Consulting Group, like gigantic, huge, well-established, uh, gigantic player. And you guys are, are really just starting out and to be able to, you know, hit your chariot to a, a large institution like that really says a lot, really validates your space, uh, hugely to, to tell, tell us how that happened. It's pretty amazing. So we'll also be presenting at Davos. And mm. I, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Mm. I think huge. When we're looking at digital identity, and especially with our project that we launched with um, Sandbox, which was the Valley of Belonging game, really looking at identity through avatars, creating a pride celebration. We started delineating ourselves, I think, from the wider pack. Like my favorite thing is when someone says, oh, I actually see diversity in your collection are at the way that we created a non-binary collection versus just whatever. I don't like talking about other brands. So the way that we laid it up really just set us apart. And when they were looking at, really looking at the space, because everyone looks at the space, what better platform than ours to really collaborate with? This is what we're speaking to. This is this is the information we also need as a company. And I think they were truly impressed with our mission, what we were doing, the game in general. We got a substantial amount of press. Akbar is amazing at that. So it also just put us to a place Our the fact that we're, let's say, five months old or four months old, and we were able to bring in a powerhouse like Nixon L'Oreal. It just really speaks to what we're building and what we're trying to do, I think, and when I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking about it. And I do believe that when you're driven by purpose and passion, you're Indeed. going to be successful. And we are driven by that. We don't want what happened over here in Web 2 to now just bleed into Web 3. And Web 3 can't now be like a DNI, 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 I always say it wrong, DEI, forget zone. We're okay in Web 2, we're going to be very focused on diversity and inclusion, but then we're going to come over here and we're going to kind of forget about that for brands. Additionally, it just allows brands to enter authentically. I think for them to be able to do a paper with us also shows their commitment. And everyone is really committed to, we have to do it. Like our initial research was just on funding and it was really, a little, it was dismal. It was sad. We presented it at Web3 Summit. And when you're looking at the funding that female-led founded companies, single, like solo founders, the percentages are lower than what we're seeing in traditional tech. And that's really not acceptable. Gee, you know, and it's, um, you know, it's a DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. That's a, a, a space that my wife works in. And, you know, and I'm a older, older white guy, and I, I hope that I'm a progressive, open-minded guy. And I really um, am fully, you know, uh, becoming a, like a student of the space. And I think it's important, of course, to, to lead with your, your heart and, and your gut, but also with, with, uh, with your mind, with what you're doing with 
BCG, like there's incredible data and uh, plenty of uh, research around why it really does make sense to have a uh, diverse and, and inclusive uh, group of people in, in your in your organization. You know, it's it's fascinating to me because women are the people that make a lot of the purchasing decisions. Eighty-five percent, right? And it's that it does not compute when there's not uh, that level of funding to 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 support female entrepreneurs. It really like it astounds me, and even when we have like the statistical facts, like when you look at the stats that Nielsen Report has brought out on Black women and their halo effect over all demographics and how they drive halo effect, culture, indeed, yeah, how they drive purchasing how they just drive if you want uh, something solved send a black woman yet still last up when you look at the poll and I, I do believe and I may be naive in this thinking I think with web3 we do have an opportunity to just build better we're intersecting the technology at such an early phase where we can be more intentional about it so Akbar and myself we are diverse like we're not speaking DNA. You, you model it and you live it. Yeah. It affects us directly. We're off of lived experience. For us, this is not like a box to be checked. This is our life, what we have experienced. So again, it circles back to that, that passion and purpose. We have a passion. I want to be seen in these spaces. I don't want to show up and I'm the only one again. Yeah. So let, let's, let's uh, peel that back a little bit more, that whole kind of mission and vision. And I know that you and Akbar um, have worked together for quite a while in the uh, you know, PR space. And tell us about this origin origin story, people of crypto. So for us, I mean, I'll circle back and kind of tell us what we are. So we're an innovation and creative studio bringing diverse and inclusive storytelling, which is what I really love, cultural storytelling into free. Our mission is to develop content, metaverse, gaming experiences that represent the global majority, which are people of color. So for us, it's to ensure the education, onboarding, advancement of Black and brown women, LGBTQAI+, disabled, and just POCs across Web3. For us, if we can educate onboard through the development of purpose-driven content, we'll allow brands and consumers to enter in a very authentic way. So we need, for us, I always get what you call it. In order for Web3 to scale, we need cultural bridges. We need people to feel seen. We need them to feel included. And our goal is just to provide those cultural bridges. Because we build it, as I mentioned earlier, from lived experience. And entering... Web3, like my excitement, and when I got kind of through that, that founder journey, I was so excited about the technology. Like, this is going to open up the democratization, permissionless. We don't need these institutions that have held us down. And then I entered the space and I was like, respectfully, it's just the whole white dudes. I'm not feeling very safe. Totally. I'm yes. so concerned on where this technology would go. And I, I get it. I know why they're in that place, but it's if we're all building it the same way, we're going to keep solving the same problems. And 
if you have privilege and you come from a privileged place, you can't really think about those that don't. Like I always laugh when they're like, we're going to bring the next X billion people in. And I'm like, a billion people don't have access to the internet. Like, let's just think about this. Like, how are we doing this? Yes, but there's other problems also to solve. And are you meeting people where they are? And I think that's where we intersect in a way that not a lot of brands can because we are consumer focused. We are brand focused. We're really looking for easy ways, test and scale opportunities, education, onboarding, and directing it to the audiences that I feel like a lot of people have forgotten that and more importantly, forgotten their influence and their percentage because they're in their own like development bubble. We come from a consumer background. We understand the consumer journey in a very different way. Yeah, that's some terrific DNA to be able to look at it from the user consumer perspective. And I love what you said before about bridging cultures. You know, our fearless leader, Yatsio, has this great podcast, uh, Real Vision. You can check it out. It's called NFTs as a store of culture. And I think that's kind of a, you know, a prime, a prime unit that you can kind of distill. I mean, Diwali has a billion people that celebrate it. That in the metaverse, that needs to have a version to speak to audiences. The same way we spoke to audiences through Pride, we want to speak to all audiences, giving them cultural touch points where they're like, oh, I get this because I do this in real life. I can do this over here and let me see and kind of create this moment of discovery and experiment without it being technically heavy like yes there are going to be steps but these are the reasons you're going to do the steps and there's something more than just like exclusive utility or you're going to feel special you're going to feel special because you're going to feel seen it's not just all about exclusion what seems to be like a large part of the growth strategy that was based on like 2022 21 like, let's exclude, let's make it scarce, let's make it hard. That type of language doesn't tell me that you want to scale and bring large audiences in. Yeah, I love that you brought up Diwali. You know, India, I'm based in Southeast Asia, and you see how Web3 is democratizing, you know, regions, Southeast Asia, India, et cetera. We're going to, we're going to see a lot more, uh, I guess, diversity and, uh, there's going to be uh, a lot more sort of, you know, independence and growth from these regions that have been a little bit overshadowed maybe by, by us, us or China. And then of course, you know, this kind of atomization of web one was more platforms and web two, a little bit more about apps. And then web three is really around the, the creators. And, you know, you talked about hip hop and. I think, you know, if you look at the early hip hop artists from 50 years ago, you know, they didn't necessarily do so well, you know, financially, they were kind of part of an early, early wave. And, you know, I think now with Web3, uh, the power and the monetization can go more directly to, to the artists. What, what are some of your thoughts around, around that? Literally why I got involved. Like that just. Bottom line, the idea that my community, especially the Black community, can finally control the cultural narratives. 
and have contribution in ways that are never before, that their contribution isn't going to go through a revisionist history or new narrative that suits the person that's monetizing off of what they're creating. We're going to be able to respect the originators and ensure that they're also participating in the monetization of what they created. So my fashion background, I watched urban companies, which were considered urban. Right now, they would be considered streetwear, build incredible value and serve audiences in a very different way. But they were also, from a fashion standpoint, looked down at. We don't like what this looks like. Honestly, there was just too many black faces. And we were leaning into a culture that they were not ready to accept. They're all accepting it now. You have streetwear, you have luxury streetwear. When you look at every luxury brand, I can tell you the companies they got that from. But we don't respect all the time those that started, especially within Black culture. We've not been able to monetize our creativity to the way that everyone else has. And Web3 have make a joke that I'm always like, it's the Black chain. Because it's all about community. Oh, the blockchain. Instead of, Real, the, instead, instead of the blockchain. I get it. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That's amazing. Because it's for creativity. It's about building community. Those are the two things that we over-index in the ability to do. Where we haven't been able to is the monetization. Web3 solves that issue. But one, we need to be participating in it. Two, we need to be building to solve the problems that would directly affect us, which requires more investment in education and understanding. I wish we could solve all those problems through our company, but I think it's also just making aware and creating awareness because I know a lot of people that are already in tech and they're not even thinking like I have an incredible female founder that's a black woman and she's looking at solving problems within like influencer worlds where black creators are creating all the trends, but they're not being monetized at the same level. We had a great call and I was like, what about if we put this on the blockchain? Like, just think about it. What if we did the following things? And she has an MBA, she's brilliant. And in her mind, she was like, oh, we could do that. So I think it's also just like, sharing and showing and talking about it in a very different way that we can solve problems that go beyond my pay grade or my educational level, but others can see like, oh, there's opportunity here. How can we solve these problems? Because our problems are not going to be the same as everybody else's. Super exciting. Yes. That's uh, an incredible mission and vision to, uh, to get behind. I love it. And, you know, we're uh, proud uh, investors at Animoca, and I know you also got an investment from the Sandbox. Um, tell, tell us about your first activation inside there and what you did um, within, within the Sandbox. So we activated Pride. We created a game. Well, actually, let's circle back. We created an avatar program and an NFT drop that was all non-binary avatars. Some female, some male presenting. We broke gender norms and didn't like exclude the traits to be able to be on certain things. We included prosthetics to represent different able disabled. We ensured that the skin tones and if there was like religious, like we did um, hijabs, 
we really just wanted the collection to feel like the global majority. I think I spent like an inordinate amount of time trying to get skins to eats and tones down. And what really just impressed me is when I was, because I laid everything out and we went from like certain shades to like darker to lighter. And as I put like every kind of ethnicity, and I just started realizing like there's more crossover than we're really understanding. And that when we look at it in such a boxed way that this is just black and this is just brown and this, it's not that simple and it's not that simplified. And I really enjoyed creating that. And, and honestly, Sandbox was incredible. Like the patients that they had, even with like Voxel Bunny allowing us to really build something special. There was 36 different skin shades. I, I don't know that everybody noticed it. I noticed it. Wow. Wow. As someone that is, has something different and has always struggled with finding the right makeup or finding the right anything, to me, that was really important that every ethnicity because they'll see it saw themselves because it's slight changes but you would be able to tell and i feel like that permeated and really expanded into a larger conversation we're also able to onboard nicks so it was the first beauty brand in sandbox we created like these really incredible different makeup looks and voxelized i think at that point everyone was like no makeup can be shown in sandbox we proved that wrong as it came across thin. We also didn't exclude it to only be on like female presenting or male presenting. Makeup is for everyone. And that was one of their missions. What was really great about that collaboration is that we were mission aligned. So Nick says 365 Pride. We're about Pride 365. And being able to put them within the game. And the game itself was created to be simpler. So it was the collection of hats that you move through the space and at the end you celebrated Pride with everyone. We had a DJ, there was music. There was really Hermit Crab helped us build it. They did an incredible job, excited to build Alpha 4. But our main goal, honestly, was to onboard new audiences, to use again that cultural bridge of Pride, which you have experienced before, to expand the conversation beyond just the current Web3 users to kind of tap into like even Sandbox's ecosystem, like expand, I know you're in there, we see you and allow people to have a place to come. What I'm, I think we're most proud of is one of our moderators when we first started building it, Akbar, that's my co-founder, is from Pakistan, it's illegal there. And he was like, can you imagine if we build and people are able to finally celebrate pride in this space? One of our moderators is exactly that. And that to me is success. So he is part of our community. He's Indian. He's never come out, can't come out. It's illegal. But he was able to celebrate Pride for the first time. And he was a longtime Sandbox user. He knows everything about Sandbox. So having those these types of moments, I think, are so important. We won a Crypti Award for the best um, metaverse experience during Arc Basel. I think... What I love most, and obviously Animal and Sandbox, is that we're all purpose-driven. Like when we saw the opportunity and mentioned it to Sandbox, they were all in immediately. Like, what do you need? I think it was the same when we were talking to Yat when we first pitched, what do you need? And this yes. is, we build sustainability. Like these types of conversations where purpose is really driving profits. 
And one of the, I'm always so proud to say that we're funded by Hand That Animal because our lead investors. And probably not for the reasons that people think. It's more because I know that you invest in us. It was, I had a call yesterday and the woman on the call, she's like, I really love that. They really do invest in diverse founders. They were like the first person to reach out to men. That makes me feel really proud to have that on our cap table. Mm, us too. Yeah. I, I remember as soon as Yak got off the phone with you, he basically said, hey, please um, have a chat with Simone and Akbar. Let's, let's do whatever we can to support them. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. One thing that you said that I've never heard before, how have I never heard that before is global majority. Like that's, that's, you know, you're right that this is, uh, this industry is very much a, a white dude industry, but yet, um, you know, planet earth is, is very much not, not, not a, not a white dude thing. You know, I, I, I love, I love Russell Peters. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He's an Indian comedian from Canada and he's like, He's like, eh, everybody is going to eventually be some sort of like shade or like of like yellow or brown eventually, right? Where you might as well, he's like, you know, white people, you can run and you can hide, but one of these days we're going to, you know, you know, and, uh, yes. And, uh, you know, my, my boys are, are half Chinese and they grew up in China and Chinese people are like, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're bulletproof, you can levitate. Right. And like, there's, you know, like that kind of like blend of, of skin color. It's, it's a, it's a biological imperative. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's absolutely, it's, it's amazing. Right. And it should be hugely celebrated. The fastest growing demographic right now in America is mixed race. Mm. So when you're looking at that, so 84.3% of the global population are people of color. That's, I mean, trying to unfoard the next billion. Yeah. All, all, all I can say is that I have dual citizenship with Ireland and I've been back to Ireland and I love it, but we definitely need a little bit of chlorine in our gene pool. That's for sure. <laughs> but mixing it up, it's not a, not, not a, not a bad thing at all. I think why people always say minority is because of this idea that, they, and it's true, the institutions are predominantly run by, let's just say white males. When you look at the larger infrastructure and what is coming, the human aspect are people of color. So we can stay with this kind of colonialized thinking of Europeans are the global, are the majority, when they really aren't. Just yes, they've conquered many things, but that does not make them representative of that space. And as we move into kind of this more I want to say open and global thought process, because I do think yes. the previous years and generations, it's just been very nationalistic. We haven't looked things globally. Thanks to the internet and social media and all of these other things, there's more connectivity. So we now look more globally. And I am not a minority. I am part of the majority. And yes. I think it's important for this. confidence level. Like you're not less, I'm not marginalized. Without me, you're in trouble. Like even in this space, like we need more. We need more women. That's the only way you'll scale. Like this is not like it's our health. It's business sense. Well, even you know, if I go back to China, you know, Mao Zedong, for definitely controversial figure, but he was like, women hold up half the sky. Like let's include, let's include women. And it's actually not true that women hold up half the sky. Women hold up like eighty five percent of the sky, right? So, and especially if you go to you know other more developing nations. You know, I rode a bicycle through Africa in 86 
5,000 kilometers from Nairobi to Cape Town. And you're right that African women run that continent. You know, there's like, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty clear to see. T t tell us a little bit about your origin story, going back to global and your, um, you know, sort of path to now. So I think when I was younger, I was constant, actually, it was constantly staffing businesses. I'd staff them, I would lead them. I think I had a talking balloon business when I was like five. It was just like my weird string and I signed up for it and I was going to sell it. And I was going to make so much money. And I did not. It took, I think my mother had boxes up for years after that. Everyone got like a gift. And then I got into fashion as all well. I've known of the source since I was eight years old. So I started a clothing brand. It pivoted me into a fashion career where I was recruited to New York. I did it every, I mean, every celebrity brand like Jay-Z, Kardashian, I ran a $200 million business for the world's largest retailer. So I was really just focused on achieving and it's raising within the ranks. And at that time, I was telling you earlier, I spoke very differently. It was really important for me to fit in. I had this idea of what it meant to be in this position, how I needed to present myself, how I needed to be. So I spoke with like this strange North American accent. And when my father passed, I was just like, I, I can only speak the way he has always heard me. Because I always spoke like that. It was just for family. It was just for other Jamaicans. Anything that was professional, I would put on this other weird voice. And when I started kind of owning the fact that I was not made to fit in, because that's what I'm realizing, I was never made to fit in. I tried to. It did not work. It did not serve me. It did not make me happy because I wasn't built for that. I'm always supposed to be different. So when I stopped caring about what people thought, when I stopped thinking about money and success in this kind of linear movement of career and really started thinking about like, what's my purpose? Like, why am I actually here? What, like, what am I supposed to be doing? And I recognized that traditional fashion was night. So I started like really kind of getting obsessed with digital fashion and skins and like the whole idea of gaming and utilizing that as a way to one, reduce the amount of clothing that we're creating, create other opportunities for smaller brands. And like we could get into this space because I'm seeing how all these large brands are making so much money off of like digital. I'm like, we can do this. That stopped very quickly because it is a full walled garden ecosystem. It's like you have to have license. You need to be a big brand to be able to participate. So in 2019, I entered this clubhouse room and they were talking about Web3. And I was like, what is this? Honestly, I'd been an investor in crypto from 2017, but I only saw it as like a financial monetization tool. Truthfully, I invested in it because I just heard disruption and anarchy and anything that pulls down the institution. I'm like, I'm here for it. Didn't think about it. I was just like, if you're about that, I'm going to invest in it. But I never thought about like how this could affect career or my creativity. Like it never clicked until I entered this room and they started talking about Web3 and NFTs and this open metaverse. And my brain was just like, what is this? I think I absorbed it. That was probably when I was on it, like 24 hours, just any room I could get into. Lady Phoenix was one of the women that I met. She's a black woman. She's incredible. 
she really helped me understand what the potential was, like how this and my brain just lit up. The idea, and we kind of touched on this, that creative class or creative class members could finally monetize or control their creativity, not just have it taken to be utilized for someone else to monetize off of. That the Black community's com- cultural contribution, let's say through music, through fashion, through lifestyle, everything that we've touched that's turned into billions and billions for others where you've seen like a small trickle-down effect could finally be monetized. And additionally, it could be on the chain showing our contribution, not erased, not created through some new kind of revisionist narrative of, oh, like house music is a perfect example. Abisa music. No, it was created by a black gay man in Chicago. Like being able to actually put that down and track that cultural history for everyone to be able to recognize and for it not to be a read. Like these are all the things that in my brain, like having ownership over our culture, whether we can monetize or not, just having that moment where here's our history and you can't take it away. Those were the things that like deeply resonated with me. But, as I went into all these rooms and kind of um, went into these spaces, I was like, no one looked like me. No one talked like me. Like Lady Phoenix was one of the only, and I met her because I got up on stage and literally was like, are there any black women in this space? Like I need to see at least one. Cause I see two women. That's fine. And honestly, when I went to my first NFT, now I was traumatized. It was a lot. Like, I'm just surrounded by men. And I'm listening and they're all saying the same things. And I didn't feel seen in the projects, didn't feel seen in communities. The diverse projects that were there, I'm looking at their teams and they're not diverse at all. And I'm just like, the technology is moving forward, but I'm not seeing the elevation in what's being built or how it will be used. And I started really getting concerned. Akbar shared our same concerns. We also realized there was a severe lack of consumer understanding, like this general exclusion-based growth strategy, where I'm like, to scale, you still need people. Like, I get that people don't love Walmart, but it's the world's largest retailer for a reason. It speaks to everyone it monetizes in a very different way. And I think that there's space for both. I came from a hype cycle, streetwear, luxury, that's built on wanting access or building kind of this brand cliche that not everyone can be included. I get that. But everybody needs to still feel seen and participate, especially so early. So we got together, Akbar and I, and... Given our same experiences, we launched People of Crypto in March 2021. We also call it People of Culture. Just to ensure that we're all represented, like that we have the opportunities, that we understand this technology, that people can see how they can use it the same way like my brain lit up where I'm like, wow. And my experience is not always going to be theirs. I'm part of a creative class. Maybe you're part of the medical community, which we've also been isolated. Like, we're not getting the same care. 
maybe that's where your brain lights up. Like the technology is truly is decentralized. It is a way to democratize. It's just who is building it needs to also be reflective of society. So I am extremely thankful. And I love the fact that at no point in the beginning were we thinking about monetization. We were like fully driven just by passion and purpose. And I believe that our tremendous, and we've had tremendous success considering we're not even a year old yet, is because of that. And my personal- Really resonates, yeah. Yeah, my personal success has also come from the fact that I just stopped trying to fit in and became myself. Yeah, so if I, if I may, I love that you shared that. You know, you talked about, you know, culture being erased and indeed, you know, specifically black culture has informed, you know, all the way from rock and roll up until, you know, so many, so many genres up, up until now. But then in some ways you were erasing your own culture. Like you were very vulnerable and you shared that because you felt like I, that's what I needed. I, I needed to actually proactively do that myself. Right. And I, I love that you shared that. And then you were like, no, uh, uh-uh. Not that that's, that's just not working anymore. Can you, can you tell, like, can you share, dive a little deeper into that about like, like what, what did happen when you changed and is the answer, you know, like I'm, I'm assuming that you became more of, more of you and you're awesome. So it's like, I think it's a beautiful message for people out there. So I think the first thing was, and I can kind of circle back to why. My father was an incredible um, influence on my life. He lived in a way that was just. Can you, can you share a story or an anecdote I mean, about him? The perfect Something? example is that his, sadly, I'm going to bring up his funeral, but it was 2,000 people. It had to be streamed. Whoa! He was not a rich man. He was not famous. He was not anything. He was beloved. He was beloved and Every single person, if you ask the best word to describe my father, it was love. And that in anyone that has ever met him, he was a hundred percent himself. He did not change. He, he was a man of God, which in that way, I think his faith always just led him and guided him. He taught me to be myself. He raised me to be myself. And I forgot that. Beautiful. He would tell me, okay, you can't, because I was always our own adults. They were very young parents. You can't um, call someone by their first name or challenge them until you can see in the eye and figured this would be a way for me to like settle down. So I would just climb on the furniture, stand up over to me. That's terrific. To believe that I was less than. That's also Jamaican quote. Like they're not told that we're less than. I didn't learn that I was less than until I moved to North America and I'm not less than, but the influence of that energy and that culture being teased at school, being bothered. I mean, I was already mixed. It's all kinds of problems. I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to feel like everybody else I wanted and only in like the larger sectors with my family, with everybody, I was always myself and I've always kind of been a little lippy, but a little mouthy, very vocal, honest, <laughs> but that's also just really packed. Those, those disruptors are what, what changed the world, right? The, and that's what you're doing. 
culturally. So my culture is already like that. So I can't say that it was just specifically like me being that way. And when I stopped, as I said, worrying about everybody else and trying to, and just said, I'm going to show up because it's almost like you're two different people. There was that professional me and this me. Then there was family, friends, anyone that was close to me that has always listened to me like this is nothing new to them. And when I decided to be like, you know what, she's not really serving me and said, this is who I am. I'm going to walk in this. This is the way my father raised me. This is the way, I mean, when he was dying, he kept saying, I need you to see yourself the way I see you. You have lost who you are. You are losing who you are. And who you are is incredible. <laughs> He's the one that gave me, you are not made to fit in. You will never fit in. You will not win if you try to fit in. And obviously I've had extreme success, but the feeling that I'm having now, like the fact that I made Vogue's 100 innovators in tech and web three, it's incredible. Yes. And that to me is because I am whole. I am confident. I believe in myself. There is nothing that has told me, even though it still happens, that I can't do this. I don't not technical like that, but my confidence in who I am and what I know and how I've learned allowed me just to walk with all my fears into it and say, let's just go, let's figure this out. And then the universe is conspiring to help you make that happen. You don't need to be technical. People will come on board and say, hey, let's, I love your mission, vision, and energy. Let's, let's go. And that was the whole point. Like, if I could share with anybody, it's at the edge of scary is opportunity. And it was very scary for me to just say, I'm showing up just like me. People are going to ask me like, why do you, there's people that have never heard that. They're like, why do you sound like that? I'm like, well, this is the way I've always sounded. This is who I am. The fact that I'm very, now it's candor, not blunt. That my candor, everyone loves it. And I'm like, five years ago, you thought I was a little bitchy. But that, you love my kid. I'm authentic. So, Talking naturally also has just softened probably my approach. So I say this again, that the edge of scary is opportunity. You have to turn your fear into faith. What a beautiful message. Excellent way to, to wrap this up. Simone, that was amazing. As advertised, terrific. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you for sharing so authentically and, uh, you're, I, I really look forward to watching you, uh, you know, realize this amazing vision of yours. Well, thank you for supporting it. Honestly, like the, one of the things I really appreciate about just the Anamorka family is how much there is support. I know I can telegram you, I can reach out. There's nowhere that I feel like if I, we need something, we can't just reach out. There's a Slack group. There's constant like, what do you need? And I think when we're reach looking here. at ecosystem, and even like the investment or the portfolios, it's everywhere. And that's what it needs to be. Like, this is, as founders, we're storytellers, we're narratives. Like, what we build should articulate the future we want to see, like, enhancing humanity. And when you listen to Yat and everyone on your team, you see that. And what you are building is articulating a better future. 
So to be able to be a part of that family, it means a lot to Akbar and myself. Fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Any opinions provided in this podcast reflect the views of the speakers only.